Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, it's Basha here and you're listening to the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. It's hard to know what to make of Elon Musk's $44 billion Twitter takeover. The whole saga has been extraordinary. There have been legal wranglings over whether he would actually buy it and his behaviour since walking through the doors of Twitter HQ as its new owner has been, well, erratic. As I record this, Elon Musk has just lost his title as the world's richest man. And as you'll hear, some think that that's because of his decision to buy Twitter and how he's run it since taking over. It is a remarkable story, and we've asked the technology journalist James Ball to report it. And now, arguably, the biggest visionary of them all, Elon Musk. In April, on the day he said he wanted to buy one of the world's most influential social media companies... Elon Musk did an interview with TED founder Chris Anderson on stage in Vancouver. Why, why make that offer? Oh, so, um, well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech, uh, where all, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. Um, so Elon Musk's bid valued that town square at $44 billion. $54.20 a share. <laughs> I mean, that's a crazy offer. Twitter was probably worth much less. That's a lot of money to waste, even for the world's richest man. Which is why some think that when the tech market went south, Elon Musk got cold feet. Suddenly 5420 looks like an incredibly expensive price for a man who just watched his own personal wealth kind of evaporate to some extent. I mean, you know, we're not crying for him. He's still got plenty left. He's like an all or nothing guy. So he was like, I want to buy Twitter. I'm all in. I'll force this deal down their throats. Then he's like, oh God, this is a horrible idea. I'm a, I want out at all costs. Elon Musk tried to get out of the deal. Twitter sued him and he sued back. Several months of bitter legal disputes followed. The great and the good of Silicon Valley were pulled into it. And then... Guess what? More breaking <laughs> news on Twitter and Musk. We understand that... It Elon was Musk all back on again. Elon Musk eventually bought Twitter for the original price he offered and walked into its San Francisco headquarters carrying a sink. 
which makes you wonder whether the whole saga had been just a bit of fun for the billionaire. After revolutionizing the space race and electric cars, the world's richest man is now promising a Twitter makeover, renaming his own account Chief Twit and proclaiming the bird is freed. Twitter wasn't in a happy place before Elon Musk offered to buy it. It didn't make much, if any, profit, and it faced near constant criticism about what it would and wouldn't allow on its platform. A senior source who was at the company before the takeover told us that the previous CEO already had a very aggressive plan to get rid of almost half of its workforce. So it wasn't all that surprising when Elon Musk began to do exactly that. This morning, thousands of Twitter employees are out of a job. After roughly half the staff received this message by email Friday, today is your last working day at the company. Elon Musk saying in a tweet he had, quote, no choice. People need to give the guy a chance. I get it sucks to fire 4,000 entitled Twitter employees who, you know, complain all the way out the door because they don't get free pizza and whatever every, anymore. But it's happening at every company. It's happening at Disney. It's happening at Snapchat. But it's how Elon Musk did it, the sheer number of people and who he laid off that upset those in the firing line and which got outsiders worried. I'm James Ball. I'm a technology journalist who's followed the ups and downs of Elon Musk and of Twitter for years. In this episode of the slow newscast from Tortoise, Musking It, Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. The inside story of a troubled company that was bought by the world's richest man and whether his decision to sack so many staff is as controversial as it seems. But it's not Elon, it's the entire industries are now going back to offices and people are gonna have to get back to work and the expectations are notching up and Elon's a leader. I've had 10 CEOs come in and say, thank God Elon's doing this instead of me. My name is uh, Paddy Cosgrove. I'm the founder and CEO of Web Summit. And if people don't know what Web Summit is, sort of what's what's the quick sort of two sentence version? Glastonbury for geeks, oh, Davos for nerds. I don't like that one. I've been going to Web Summit for years, and there's one I remember more than the others. At the time, the Tesla Model S had just launched and um, was still not for sale but effectively being launched that day on stage um, at Web Summit. 2013, the year Elon Musk came to Dublin, and the only time I've actually been in his presence, as he stood awkwardly in what I can only describe as a trashy nightclub, pretty late in the evening and almost totally unrecognised. It's kind of like the world's greatest dive bar that's just pure mayhem. Like, it's absolute mayhem. When he came to Dublin, his one request was that we could go to Coppers and like, you know, could we get on the guest list? And I was like, there really is no guest list for this nightclub. And then we kind of got there. He was wondering where the VIP area was. I'm like, that's not the type of nightclub we're in. But earlier in the day, Elon Musk had been the star of the show. There was no Model S in Ireland at the time. I don't even know if there was one in Europe. So it had to be flown in literally last moment driven off a plane and uh, into uh, backstage of the Web Summit area um, and then uh, was driven on stage um, with the Taoiseach or the Prime Minister um, in it and out they got and they had a little conversation on stage. I mean, it's kind of a, a window onto 
uh, onto the type of person uh, that Musk is. You know, there's a high level of audacity and he just he pushes the envelope in uh, in every direction, I think. That audacity comes up a lot when you talk to people who know him. That's probably the perfect word to describe him as ambitions for SpaceX. Um, I have actually used <laughs> that that word quite a bit to describe his his plan to settle Mars one day with humans. It is an audacious idea. Eric Berger wrote a biography of Elon Musk called Liftoff about the early days of SpaceX, Elon Musk's rocket company. The most apt word I would use to describe him probably is driven. Um, he has an incredible amount of energy um, and always has is is basically full of ideas. And unlike a lot of people, he just doesn't have ideas, but he wants to put them into motion. Twitter had 7,500 employees when Elon Musk bought it. He fired half in one fell swoop and then asked those remaining to sign a pledge to be hardcore or else quit. The company is now believed to have just 2,300 people left. It's Elon Musk's drive to get things done that appears to have been his undoing. He rushed into it and then some of those who were let go were asked to come back. Publicly, though, Elon Musk doubled down, tweeting that he had no choice but to make cuts, given the company is, according to him, losing over $4 million a day. The kind of abiding impression I was left with was that in private, you know, he's a very reflective, quiet, you, know, you could say awkward uh, person. Um, but his public persona is just, it's just off the charts it's just uh it's just gigantic and um they're almost kind of diametrically sort of uh opposed like in a in a room with almost no one he's quite reserved and um and, and quiet and at the same time is able to pull off these huge public uh, stunts that contrast between elon musk's public persona and what he's like in private came up during a conversation with a senior person at twitter who was there before he took over they said he's more thoughtful in private, but in public can be, in their words, a twat. We've spoken to people at all levels of Twitter, but most of them have asked to be anonymous. That's because they're either covered by confidentiality agreements, or those who've left recently are still waiting for payouts. Given the fact that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? Not long after sending that tweet to his more than 108 million followers, Elon Musk became Twitter's second biggest shareholder. Concerned about his intentions, the company tried to hug him close. It offered him a place on the board. Twitter was right to be concerned. Its chief executive, Parag Agrawal, texted Elon Musk asking him to tone down his public statements. The reply from the billionaire was stark. I'm not joining the board. This is a waste of time. We'll make an offer to take Twitter private. Just five days later, Elon Musk put his money where his mouth was. On the 14th of April, he formally offered to buy Twitter for $44 billion. That's a lot of money for a company that's much smaller than its rivals. Twitter's never made anything like as much profit as Facebook, TikTok, or even Snapchat. But his plan to buy it made a lot of people nervous, because Twitter is the nearest thing the internet has to a real-time public square. It punches above its weight in terms of the number of its users, because what Twitter then effectively becomes is sort of a wire service. Vivian Schiller was head of news at Twitter, and is now executive director of Aspen Digital. 
say the former president of the United States has something to say, he tweets, there it is, the news media pay attention to it. Um, likewise, when ordinary citizens like a guy who just happened to be um, awake in the middle of the night in Abbottabad um, a number of years ago, heard the helicopters uh, overhead, was the first to basically uh, reveal that uh, Osama bin Laden was about to be captured, although he didn't know it at the time. So all of these things make um, give Twitter both urgency uh, and newsworthiness and relevance. And um, as a result, journalists pay a lot of attention to it and amplify it. That's why Twitter had spent a lot of time developing rules about what you can and can't post. It's called content moderation, and it's something Elon Musk said he wanted to significantly scale back. You've described yourself, Elon, as a free speech absolutist. But does that mean that there's literally nothing that people can't say and it's okay? Well, I I think, uh, obviously... uh, Twitter or any forum is bound by the laws of the country that it operates in. Um, so, to, obviously, there, there are some limitations on free speech uh, in, in the U.S. And, and of course, uh, Twitter would have to abide by those uh, right. rules. So, so, so His view is, essentially, that if it's not illegal, if in doubt, then it's fine. Let, let, let the speech, let, let it exist. People close to Elon Musk have confirmed to us that it's this free speech issue that motivated him in private as well as in public. He seems to mean it when he says it's the main reason for his decision to buy Twitter. It's important to the function of democracy. Um, It's important to the function of uh, the United States uh, as, as a free country and many other countries and to help, actually to help freedom in the world. But a senior source who was at the company before the takeover doesn't think the social network is nearly as important as Elon Musk thinks it is. Elon thinks that Twitter is part of the fundamental fabric of democracy. I completely disagree. They think that's because he has an extremely distorted view of Twitter in the world, because he uses it to an extreme degree, and point out that he's got three times the amount of followers that Trump ever had. People that work at Twitter, uh, for the most part, tend to be quite evangelical about the platform. I know when I was there, I was. This has got to be heartbreaking for them. I mean, many people that, especially people that have been there for years, who have built this platform that believe in its um, its, its power as you know a digital town square, who are trying to mitigate for um, for bots and for harms. This has to be pretty devastating. Um, somebody who doesn't respect content moderation you know, who doesn't uh, necessarily uh, respect the platform and, you know, has shown tremendous disrespect to to executives and the people of Twitter who, you know, toil there day in and day out. How could that not be demoralizing? A senior source at Twitter before Elon Musk took over thinks there wasn't a single person on the board who wanted him to own the company, except maybe Jack Dorsey who quit as Twitter's CEO in 2021, but was still on the board when Elon Musk made his offer. They think Jack had a bit of a crush on the world's richest man. Elon was always the person that Jack wanted to come and talk to the company. But despite the general opposition, Twitter's board unanimously agreed to his offer. When you are a publicly traded company, you need to serve your shareholder. And when you get an offer that high in this economy, you take it. A source says the board called his bluff by signing the merger agreement quickly, committing both sides to move forward with the deal in good faith. 
They think Elon Musk believed it was going to be more of a public fight. But it wasn't. The fight was still to come. Twitter is suing Elon Musk in Delaware court for violating... The Elon Musk tried to pull out of the deal, and Twitter argued that wasn't possible because he'd signed that agreement. Just looking through the filing here, um, it says, quote, Musk apparently believes that he, unlike every other party subject to Delaware contract law, is free to change his mind, trash the company, disrupt its operations, destroy stockholder value, and walk away. He couldn't just change his mind. So merger contracts are drafted to really narrow the number of things that you can cancel the deal over to prevent buyer's remorse from canceling deals between signing and closing. My name is Anne Lipton. I'm an associate professor of law at Tulane Law School. The markets turned right after he signed the deal and his personal wealth was impacted. So, I mean, his wealth is basically Tesla stock and Tesla stock, along with everybody else's, kind of dived. So suddenly this purchase looked a lot more expensive for him personally. Elon Musk countersued Twitter and made all sorts of claims about it misleading him over the number of fake accounts on the platform. They traded damaging blows in court filings until, with their day in court looming, Elon Musk did something out of character. He folded. Twitter had a very good chance of prevailing in court and forcing him to buy the company. And the more he drags this out, the more he actually damages Twitter. And so if he's the person who's gonna end up buying the company, he may have decided that he would rather not buy a company that was thrown into even more turmoil by his own actions. Twitter though, didn't immediately call off the dogs. It asked the judge to supervise the final stages of the takeover. Twitter was looking for ironclad certainty that Elon Musk would buy the company. At one point, it was willing to offer him a discount to get the deal over the line. That discount would have saved him around a billion dollars. But because of all the public uncertainty Elon Musk created, that offer fell apart. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Does what's going on in the American election scare and bemuse you in equal measure? Want to know what Biden and Trump are up to without tearing your hair out? Then you need to listen to American Friction, the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in November from the makers of Oh God, What Now?, The Bunker and Paper Cuts. Every Friday, we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the United States to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote. That's American Friction with me, Jacob Jarvis. Me, Chris Jones. And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. 
out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, he's like an all or nothing guy. So he was like, I want to buy Twitter. I'm all in. I'll force this deal down their throats. Then he's like, oh God, this is a horrible idea. I'm a, I want out at all costs. Then the judge was basically like, I'm sorry, you bought this company. So you're going to end up with this company either way. And then he like flips back and he's like, I'm all in then I'm just going to do this. Okay, fine. I'm doing it. And I'm going to do it with a vengeance. And, and that's what he's doing. My name is Ross Gerber. I'm president and CEO of Gerber Kawasaki Wealth and Investment Management. I am one of the fortunate investors in the private company of Twitter with Elon. So what's it like being a private shareholder of Twitter? Had a good first month? Yeah, it was actually perfect. It was exactly as planned. <laughs> <laughs> Ross Gerber isn't always being 100% serious or sincere. Or at least I don't think he is. Speaking to him is head spinning. He's fast talking and he's a big fan of the world's richest man. He's also invested in Elon Musk's electric car company, Tesla. Elon functions around extremely difficult challenges and pain. And when things get too good for Elon, he has to destroy that. And so he functions actually the best when he's actually in the most worst position possible. So it's kind of like if you remember Rocky, the movie, okay? When did Rocky get tough? When he was about to get knocked out, okay? And then he like comes back and wins the fight. Like that's Elon. So if he's just like winning the fight, like he was with Tesla, like Tesla's won. Like we won the fight. Like Tesla's one of the biggest companies in the world. It's gonna grow into trillions of dollars. And he's like, oh, it's, it's too easy. I'm having too much fun. You know, maybe what would be the worst experience I could have in the most difficult beast to try to tame? Oh, I'll take it for Twitter. So he jumped on the beast and the beast is just like bucking him around and he's trying to get this thing under control. I give him, you know, that's why I support it. I, I think it needs to be, you know, handled right. And and from what I think is that this is the best possible person to be running Twitter. Ross Gerber isn't a complete fanboy though. He thinks Elon Musk should have set up a content moderation committee to make decisions about banned accounts. Something Twitter's new boss said he'd do but hasn't so far. Instead, Elon Musk made the decision to reinstate Donald Trump by asking Twitter users to vote in a poll he posted on his feed. It shouldn't be Elon's Twitter. It should just be Twitter. And this is one of the mistakes he's made by being so vocally frontman of the business right now when he should have had a team of like six people of every color. You know, like they should have picked, you know, Every color, a white, a blue, a green, a yellow, whatever color you are. So you have like every group on this moderation committee. You see what I'm saying? And, and then you let them take all the blame. But instead he's like, yes, this is good. Yes, this is bad. You could tweet him and he'll tell you, yes, this is good. No, this is bad. And this was exactly what I told him not to do, which is be the singular judge of content in the world. It's a horrible job to be in because the subtleties and nuances of free speech and hate speech is, is a tough one. That was one of the concerns that people like Viv Schiller had before Elon Musk bought Twitter. He's using the term free speech like a, as a very, very blunt instrument, meaning that basically anything goes. And um, other than, you know, specifically illegal speech, I think he would find if that's the actual way that he would run Twitter, the place would turn into a cesspool 
pretty quickly and undermine whatever value that Elon Musk sees in it today, including as a place where influential people, uh, you know, see and can be seen. Uh, so he's not given, I think, very deep thought to what, what he means by content moderation. Several Twitter staff expressed deep concerns to me about Elon Musk's understanding of this issue before he came into the company. Laws are different in each country, but so is what's offensive and the cultural context. His hope for a global technological fix could, several of them said, never hope to replace in-country staff with local expertise. While every department has been cut, these kind of in-country teams, people who didn't write code but kept Twitter working all the same, have often been axed entirely. Several sources think that will do long-term damage. So it was surprising when a senior source who was at Twitter before Elon Musk's takeover was rather more optimistic. In terms of the actual long-term sense of Twitter, I don't think he'll destroy it, actually. I think everybody's getting completely hysterical. I think there's a lot of things that needed to be better at Twitter. He might make them a lot better. He might make the engineering capacity a lot better. Parag had a very aggressive plan to take out half the workforce nearly. So I don't think he'll be as catastrophic as some people think. Twitter certainly had issues before the takeover. New product innovation was slow, user growth was non-existent, and moderation was always controversial. And while Twitter sold over $4 billion worth of adverts every year, it was still making almost no profit. So there was definitely a case for a new owner to swoop in. Elon is not a guy who wakes up in the morning with bad intent. Okay? And I think the media is working really hard to make it seem like there's some negative intent here. Okay? Actually, what he's done is he's put his reputation, a lot of his money at risk to try to make this thing better for people. He is. Okay? Any perception that Twitter was being run correctly, there wasn't tons of hate speech and all kinds of shit crap going on already. So the fact that we have somebody in here, a, a, an American, a patriot, and somebody who really wants to do a good job and make money, where's the downside here? Elon Musk too has remained unrealistically optimistic about how well Twitter is doing post-takeover. He claims spam is down, hate speech is down, and Twitter is being used by more people than ever. Twitter usage is at an all-time high. Lol. But the site has been publicly in chaos every day. In early December, Elon Musk released internal company documents and emails, from before his takeover, to a selection of hand-picked journalists, claiming they proved government interference in censoring tweets about Hunter Biden's laptop, a popular right-wing conspiracy theory. They did not. He also criticised Apple for the fee it charges companies for purchases in apps. He posted a meme suggesting he was willing to go to war rather than pay it, and claimed Apple had threatened to block Twitter from its app store. He then deleted his tweets after a visit to Apple's campus to see its CEO, Tim Cook. Good conversation. Amongst other things, we resolved the misunderstanding about Twitter potentially being removed from the App Store. Tim was clear that Apple never considered doing so. He reinstated Kanye West, only to suspend his account again for tweeting a swastika inside the Star of David. The informal rule among some on Twitter is never to be the social network's main character, the person everyone else is tweeting about. Elon Musk has played that role daily. Twitter sources say this public chaos 
mirrors what is going on in private. After missing payroll for its European employees, an attempt to trigger payments manually went so badly it tripped anti-money laundering protections at the bank, creating a further delay. As one source wondered, if you can't manage to get out payroll, how can you deal with a real emergency? Engineers were fired and then Twitter begged them to come back. Staff were told they must work from the office or quit and then told they could work remotely. People need to give the guy a chance. I get it sucks to fire 4,000 entitled Twitter employees who, you know, complain all the way out the door because they don't get free pizza and whatever every, anymore. But it's happening at every company. It's happening at Disney. It's happening at Snapchat. Snapchat just said they're going to force everybody to come back to the office. But it's not Elon. It's the entire industries are now going back to offices and people are going to have to get back to work and the expectations are notching up. And Elon's a leader. I've had 10 CEOs come in and say, thank God Elon's doing this instead of me. Ross Gerber invests in the world's richest man for a reason. He believes Elon Musk's companies will make him money. But former Twitter staff are wondering what will fail first, Twitter's infrastructure or Elon Musk's reputation. Up until now, Elon Musk had looked like a good bet. He bought Tesla when it was obscure, with no experience in the industry, and turned it into the world's most valuable car maker. He then launched a space travel company, and its rockets work. So far, all Elon Musk has done is win for investors. So I get why people are uncomfortable with Elon Musk. I think there's an, a lot of outright hostility. Um, and he brings, a lot, he brings a lot of that on himself, with the things he says, the way he does them, and his actions. Um, and so I understand all of that. With that being said, I do think the concerns are probably overstated. You know, at the end of the day, Musk companies make great products that people love. You know, people who own Teslas by and large love their cars and continue buying them. SpaceX builds the best rocket in the world. Now he has to explain why instead of focusing on the stars, or at least his mission to colonize Mars, he's bought a struggling social network. Twitter has never looked like a good bet, because its profits don't give it enough scale to hire engineers to fix its problems quickly enough. And the nature of the service means constant legal and regulatory headaches. The European Union has already told Elon Musk that it could ban or fine Twitter unless it abides by strict content moderation rules. And the US government has indicated that it's ready to review his purchase of the company. But when I asked Ross Gerber about the impact that owning Twitter could have on Elon Musk's investors and his own wealth, he seemed surprisingly relaxed. Essentially, people are saying Tesla stock trades as it does because people believe in Elon. Elon screws up Twitter. People stop believing in Elon. Tesla stock stops being what it is. You know, he's lost probably 100 billion. Right. And it's like. And we've lost like probably 50 million since he bought Twitter, you know? And I'm like, so Tesla stock actually is not trading like Elon some genius anymore. He really did say 100 billion with a B. Elon Musk isn't just on the hook for the stake he put into Twitter. Almost all of his wealth is in Tesla. And Tesla stocks are priced as if they were a bet on the world's richest man. Twitter is now a private company, so no one can sell off its stock. So if people feel worried about Elon Musk, they sell Tesla stock, and that's what they've been doing. He's still very, very rich, but not nearly so rich as when he bought Twitter. Back in April, when he sat down with TED founder Chris Anderson, 
Elon Musk acknowledged that owning the company wouldn't be easy. Last week when we spoke, Elon, um, I asked you whether you were thinking of taking over. You said, no way. You said, I, I do not want to own Twitter. It is a recipe for misery. Everyone will blame me for everything. What on earth changed? No, I think, I think everyone will still blame me for everything. Yeah. If, it, something, if, if, if I acquire Twitter and something goes wrong, it's my fault, 100%. <laughs> I, I think there will be quite a few arrows. Perhaps that's why Elon Musk has put himself front and centre at Twitter. But it's also why Ross Gerber thinks he needs to step back. I'm hoping in the next month, which I doubt, but maybe quarter, that he'll have a new CEO for Twitter. I, I don't think he's suited to be CEO of Twitter. Fans of Elon Musk say we're just seeing his usual playbook. Just like when he bought what became Tesla and SpaceX. Come in, kick everything down, and get it working like he wants it to work. Everything will be a mess for a while, and then the magic will kick in. But Tesla and SpaceX were tiny when Elon Musk bought them. Twitter wasn't. It was, and still is, the internet's global public square. He's bought it, trashed it by getting rid of nearly three quarters of its staff, not just half, and he's promising to build a better one. Maybe he will. But right now, all we can see is the wreckage. We contacted Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey and Parag Agrawal to ask for their response to our reporting. We didn't hear back from any of them. When we asked Tesla for an interview with Elon Musk before the Twitter deal was completed, they told us that between running Tesla and SpaceX, Elon has to forego all non-critical requests. This episode of the Slow Newscast was reported by me, James Ball, and Lewis Vickers. Sound design was by Sam Mbatta. The editor was Jasper Corbett. Thank you, and as ever, if you enjoy our podcasts, please do follow us or leave us a rating. And before you go, I just want to point you towards our most recent series, The Tavistock Inside the Gender Clinic. It tells the fascinating and crucial story of the Gender Identity Development Service for children and young people and explores what happens when culture moves faster than science. All six episodes are now available. Search for the Tavistock Inside the Gender Clinic wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
Does what's going on in the American election scare and bemuse you in equal measure? Want to know what Biden and Trump are up to without tearing your hair out? Then you need to listen to American Friction, the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in November from the makers of Oh God, What Now, The Bunker and Paper Cuts. Every Friday, we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the United States to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote. That's American Friction with me, Jacob Jarvis. Me, Chris Jones. And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.